This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are looking for therapy and not able to get something right away locally, you can do that with them. Within 48 hours, you can find a therapist to get on telehealth with you. I mean, it's I haven't heard anything but great things from people that have already done it that watch my show or listen to my show. If you're looking to get 10% off your first month, you can go to betterhelp.com backslash MJ's PNP MCA. That is betterhelp.com slash MJ's PNP MCA. Um, they knew that he kind of nipped here and there and they've had a muzzle for him in the past, but he was doing fine. And I just went to pet him. I was like kind of knelt down. All I remember is looking over, saying something to my aunt or my sister, coming back to pet the dog, and he just lunged at my face and kicked me back like four feet. Um, and I had to get 32 stitches in my lip. Welcome to the show, Carly. Hi. So, you know, you found, you know, me on Facebook. Was it, I was posting the episode and you saw it somewhere. I forget how I found you. Yeah. So I joined um, a Facebook group and then I had seen um, a young lady that was posting um, an episode that she had done with you. And so that sparked some interest. Oh, that's right. I think that was the April episode. Yeah. the hundred. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah. I love the Facebook groups. They've been really cool for like finding people and networking with people, you know, because it's a lot, a lot of this, you know, uh, so ever since COVID, especially we can't get into meetings as much as easier Absolutely. to, and especially there's some of us that live in areas where it's not as popular to be in sobriety. So it's hard to find people that are like you or around your age, you know, in recovery. Um, so at least with the Facebook, you can find a lot of people that have similar interests or similar backgrounds and everything like that. So, um, what is your sober date, Carly? My sober date is June 14th, 2021. Okay. So you are coming up, you just celebrated seven months or. Yep. I'm almost to eight. So I'm like halfway to eight there. Is this the longest like time you've had sober? Yeah, this is my first shot at it. Um, and yeah, the longest I've been sober. So I, where are you, where are you from Carly? I'm from uh, Michigan, Kalamazoo. Oh, cool. Kalamazoo. I, I don't know why that name always sounds familiar. Is it from like a movie or something? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I is is Michigan Hicks. state, is Michigan, is Michigan state out there? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what yep. I'm thinking of. Cause like yep. my, my brother is a big Michigan fan. And got me into Michigan. Well, I fell in love with Michigan when I took him for his birthday to a game to Ann Arbor. And Ann Arbor was such a cool city and that's such a cool stadium that I kind of like, you know how it is. Um, Okay, so you're in Michigan. And now back in June, what was going on? How old are you actually? So I just, this year I'll be 29. um, Okay, so you were 28 when you got sober then. You had just turned 20. You're about to be 28. I'm about to be 29. You okay? So you had just turned 28 when, or you were 27, about yep. to be 28. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was confusing. <laughs> okay, no, it's fine. So, what was going on for you in June of last year to where you decided you were going to try recovery for the first time? Oh, so such a complex question. Um, essentially, I just got to the point of this isn't fun. I'm spending so much money that I don't have 
And essentially, I'm not even feeling the effects that I wanted to feel. And I was just needing something to be able to go about my day. Um, and I think psychologically, too, I I told myself, you know, if I didn't have something, then I, I wouldn't be able to function. What was your daily vice? You know, because we all have I feel like a lot of us, we go through like stages or different phases of addiction, whether we binge hardcore with drinking or we binge hardcore with this. We're all obsessive people and we all find things to obsess over. Um, and what was your like daily obsession towards the end when, you know, you were just like, I'm done and calling it quits? Yeah, I mean, essentially I was, you know, I was spending... <laughs> roughly four to 500 a day. Um, so you weren't drinking. I was going to say, that's not a drinker. Yeah, <laughs> no. So, okay. Um, a couple of years back, I'd gotten prescribed pain medication from my doctor um, because I have a couple of bulging discs in my back. Um, and with that, I did pretty okay at that point in time with the script. I mean, I abused it kind of, but, um, and then I got off of it for a couple of years, got prescribed Adderall and Clonopin from a psychologist, um, both at the same time for two plus years at that point as well. Um, and a couple of years went by and, you know, I, I kind of switched. I didn't realize this at the time, but I had essentially taken my pain medication addiction and had, you know, switched it with amphetamines and, <laughs> you know, benzodiazepines because that's great. Um yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's such a, that's such like a roller coaster too of yeah. like, hey, here's clodipin and here's Adderall. So when you want to go up, there's this, and when you want to come down, here's this. Yeah, you're and here's a pamphlet great. of how you could potentially die. You know, yeah, you're gonna be just great, Carly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what you should do, and you're gonna have a very fulfilling, happy yeah. life doing just this. Yep. Um. Yep. Now. <laughs> so well, so yeah, so I was off of it for a couple of years, the Norco. And then, you know, I knew how to work my doctor, so I knew what to say to get what I wanted. And so then she prescribed me more after a couple of years. And so then at that point, I was on Norco, Clonopin, and Adderall. Um, so, you know, you got the perfect trifecta going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, essentially, I thought I needed them because my doctor was giving them to me, you know, yeah. at first. And so I was correlating that, but then, you know, of course I would run out of my supply very Within, quickly. <laughs> I was going to say, how quick would you run out of a script? Yeah. So I would get, you know, um, enough for a lifetime, but I would run out of my script in four days and I got I was, 90 of them. Yeah. My guess was four to five days. Cause that's how fast I would go through. I used to get like 120 thirties and 120 bars each so, month yeah. and they would be gone in four or five days tops. Yep. And you know, just like, it was nothing. It was easy. You know, yep. it was, you know, as soon as we get them, it's one of those obsessive things where it's almost like they're going to disappear. <laughs> Essentially <don't> <laughs> that's what you're worried about. And you know, there were a couple of times that, I could, you know, I would notice a couple missing from the person I was dating at the time. And it's like, I might be a dingling, but I know how many pills are in that bottle. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I've counted them and then recounted them and then counted <laughs> yeah. them again. Yeah. I mean, I would count them and obsess over it so much 
that I would confuse myself as to how many were in there. Oh my God. I can't, I just realized, I remember so many times of just the count and the recount and the count again. And then and to be like, like I'm going to take four at like three and then. It was worse when you use with somebody too, right? When you're not using alone, because then you're like. I have to share with you. You're like giving that side eye while they're counting too. Like, yeah, you better have that right count. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're counting with them. You're counting theirs in your head because you're like, yeah, I know they're going to try to have extra all of a sudden. I want to make sure I look over and they have 10 instead of eight. You know? Yeah. It's the, oh my God. It's crazy. The codependency and then. You know, so essentially, along with that addiction. Well, do you think the codependency is because you didn't trust anybody else but the person that you were using with? So it's like a bonding, like a, almost like a trauma response of bonding over that thing together where only you and that person have. And it's like, well, we have this secret together that we can't tell anybody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many layers to it, right? Like, I had all of the connections so okay, so let me backpedal for a second. Yeah, let's so, okay, let's go really no, back. Okay, you're you you had you had brothers and sisters. Nope, I'm an only child. Okay, um, parents. Up, yep. So I together have, or they they got divorced when I was two years old. Um, um co-parenting or one parent. Um, my mom had majority of the custody, whatever you call that. Um, okay. Yeah, and so I was with my dad dad every other weekend, but I didn't want to see my dad, and so my mom would, like, give in to me not wanting to go, and so my dad and mom, I remember growing up, would always fight about that, you know, my dad. Can I ask why? Um, my dad didn't really have a sensitive side to him. He kind of grew up in that, with that mentality of, there is no mental health, suck it up, hide your feelings. So, he means really well, but he just, just genuinely doesn't understand. He's a product of his generation. Absolutely. You know? And that's a lot of our parents. And, mm-hmm. you know, they only know what they know, you know. And it's funny, you know, as a parent now, I look back and I'm like, man, how did you guys do this without Google in the 80s? You know, because, <laughs> like, you know, I was born in 86, you know, so and I'm the oldest of three. And I'm like, my parents didn't even get a sonogram to figure out, you know, because that shit didn't barely even existed. Yeah. I think my mom said it was new technology. My brother was born in 89, so she didn't even <laughs> trust it to get it. So, like, they didn't ha- they had books. And I know my dad was working three jobs. He didn't have time to read a book about what to Ooh. do with me. Right. You know, absolutely. he knew what he saw his dad did, you know, yep. and that's and that and that, you know, he saw what his dad did. It's. That's what happens, you know, and yep. it is what it is. I, I don't blame my parents for anything. I take full responsibility. You know, my parents are still <laughs> together for, to this day. They've been uh, together 40 years, yeah. you know, and they're very happy. And my dad and I are very, very close. We talk like best friends all the time. That's amazing. Um, but it was that same thing of like, push it down. You're going to be okay, you know. But now, like, I catch him crying watching legally blonde you know Aww, <laughs> so, yeah you know, he's got a soft side right and he's like in tears so yeah you know um yeah. all right so you did you i understand that and as a young girl it could i'm sure be even like intimidating or scary because that's that fear of the unknown of what he's gonna say or you know whatever so it sounds like you guys have a good relationship today just by the way <clears throat> it it you is respect Yes. Yeah, yeah. We could do okay. that. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now did your mom remarry or did she do it as a single mom? So my mom remarried when I was um four. 
I think okay. so. Two years after the divorce, she essentially met my stepdad at a, the job she was working at. They were both going through a divorce um, and kind of bonded over that. Bonded, and he is honestly more of like a father figure to me. That happens a lot, you know, yeah. which is okay too. You know, step step parents can be you know, really crucial for people, or they can be helpful, or you know, the total opposite. I feel like Absolutely. there's a huge like I've talked to so many people that have step parents who are step parents where it's a giant spectrum. Um, so it's good that you had that kind of like guidance. Now, when you were growing up, did you discover alcohol at a young age or were you escaping or did you have a lot of friends, loner, picked on, doing the picking on? Who was Carly growing up? No, honestly, I was an only child that was really quiet in high school. I mean, I played a couple sports, but, you know, I didn't really have too many friends. My circle was definitely close and my first job was in, you know, a city that lived that I was like 10 minutes from where I lived. And so I had a lot of friends, you know, that went to that high school. I uh, think American which, Pie was out by you, right? America, the movie American Pie takes place yeah, out in your so area. Yeah, a couple big movies. Um, Kalamazoo is definitely like one of the... It's the western popular. side, right? The yes. western side yep. of Michigan. Okay. Southwest Michigan, yep. Okay, yep. yep. All right, uh, sorry, my mind just... No. I get these random. <laughs> no, you're and good. It just, I can't explain it. Okay, when so... Like I'm from the east side of the state. Okay, well... Yeah. Well, I well I think that, and that might even I'm not even from Michigan, but I know somebody that lived in the UP, so maybe <laughs> yeah, it's just were. like a directional <laughs> thing that Michigan does, where it's like, I'm on the eastern side, oh I'm in the Upper Peninsula, I'm in it like yeah. if anybody doesn't know about Upper Peninsula, look at a map because I'm sure you haven't looked at a globe in a while, <laughs> but the Upper Peninsula, the UP, is the coldest part of Michigan um, by far. It is this little strip that's above the Great Lakes, and yep. I actually had a guest on here um, early on, this guy Rob. He's from Ann Arbor, um, but he spent his summers working at a place in the UP or on the UP, whatever you want to, however you guys say it. That was like a town that didn't have cars and you'd only bike. Island. Yeah, that's the island. Yeah, he yep. worked on that island and he was an alcoholic. Too. Oh, you're oh, probably. Maybe we did drugs together. May, may, maybe Rob <laughs> Childs is his name. I can okay. say his name because he has a podcast, so I'm not outing him. Um, okay. He has a podcast, um, his a fighter story. His name's Rob Childs. He was on an early episode. But okay. yeah, he spent a lot of summers, you know, doing a lot of coke and doing a lot of drinking because it was so easy to just get hammered and ride your bike. Yeah, you just keep doing circles eight miles around. That's what he's. Yeah. So, OK, we're going to get there in your story, then I'm sure if it's part of your story, then <laughs> yeah. um, this island, man, is going to be really popular for my show eventually. You know what? Um, you didn't have to worry about driving anywhere. You crash your bike into a tree. That's your own problem. Like, yeah, it's not going to be doing an insurance claim on the <laughs> Schwinn that you went into the tree with. <laughs> if you if you bring alcohol in the state park they will arrest you like it's just it's crazy how like they're just more concerned about you know spooking the horses and all that stuff because you don't want a carriage to tip over full of people haven't forget that you know feel bad yeah yeah exactly okay so now you were growing up and you were the only child kind of a loner you said Yeah, but so, okay, I have two cousins. They're my first cousins. So my mom's sister has always done drugs growing up. She would party with her kids, um, have their friends over, hang out, you know, essentially saying that partying was okay. You know, what young kid kid wouldn't think that their mom was cool for that? 
Yeah. Um, so I knew there's you know, moms. I'm sure. Yeah, everyone, you know, and moms. she was always that aunt, you know, that when she'd get Vicodin, she'd always, you know, slip somebody in the family one just to try and, you know, be cool. She thinks she can, you know, ask for forgiveness by giving gifts and stuff like that. And if I everyone's eye with me, then no one's going to yep. be mad at me for being high. Yep, exactly. And so it's like she got a high from getting people high. Um, and so my both of my cousins both formed addictions. Um, Mallory, uh, my first cousin, she's completely sober. She was on heroin. Um, my family got her kids taken away. Um, this is the first time, you know, we really had an addiction in my family. That's how we acted. Um, she's got her kids back, all of that. Congrats, aunt, Mallory. Yeah. Shout so out to Mallory for congrats. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And so um, her sister, though, unfortunately, is is living with my aunt and they're still, you know, doing their whole thing. That's that's cool. Whatever. Um, but, you know, so growing up, I've always, you know, kind of did that with my aunt. You know, I'd get my script. You know, we'd always share stories. And so I've always kind of had that like that piece of addiction around my entire life. My, my um, uncle's also addicted, you know? Um, and so that's really the backstory I have on, on that relating to my personal life. Um, you know, and then when I got into that relationship with my ex um, where we were codependent, he was a, a prior alcoholic um, who had been married to somebody um and cheating on him and so he's got all of those insecurities well he stopped drinking and then when I met him I think he really thought you know I was he was sober only because of me which isn't true but that's an easy excuse and then I you know he saw that I did pills and he dabbled in pills and so then his here and there you know, take it or leave it, addiction started to become an everyday. He wasn't so much an opportunistic anymore with it. And, you know, and then the worst part of it, JD, was the whiplash of some mornings he would wake up frustrated and he would be sick of spending money. Um, He would just be frustrated and then he would take it out on me for wanting to still use Verbally or physically? Uh, verbally, he never physically um, abused. Okay, I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, you know, but then it's like if he had brought up the idea of wanting to use for that day, it's a whole different story. Um, and I knew deep down that we'd probably fight in the morning, but we'd still end up with pills at the end of the day. <laughs> You know, we we still would spend the entire day together, right? Doing the ritual of texting somebody all day, blowing up their phone, and then have you know, they answered yet? Have they answered yet? Yep. And then yeah. fighting with your spouse about wanting to blow up their friend's phone, and you know, I had the majority of the connections, and <laughs> we were also getting a crap ton of unemployment because of COVID because of COVID. And so when COVID started, I was already two years in, but at that point, you know, I was definitely taking toward the last year, I was taking about 25 to 30 tablets a day. Um, of various, of various different things. Uh, whatever mainly, you could get. Mainly or... Norco. 
Um, it's just the dosage, you know, varied. Most of my connects would have the strongest dose and stuff, but you know, there was just constant arguments of when I would get my script, he would tell me, you don't have to share it with me. You don't have to share it with me, but we know that that's not. How dare you not share it with me? Right. And you know, know, I'm in pain, Carly. Right. You know, and then, you know, like you said earlier, that whole watching him while he's counting and Hey, did you really tell the person that you wanted that number or did you give, did you only say that in front of me so that I know how many you really need to split with me, but you're getting actually another (laughs) 10 or 20. But but the funny thing is, is I would do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yo, exactly. The only reason you're saying, and that's a lot of this too, is all of our insecurities are based on our own thoughts of what we have. Like, oh, if I'm thinking that, then they must be thinking that too. Or yeah. if I did that or I want to do that, it's almost like the the guy, you know, that that accuses their girlfriend or partner of cheating all the time is usually the one cheating. Do you know? Mm, so he got cheated on or at least so he says, who knows what the real story is, right? Um, or like if you're running for president and you lose. So you say the other person's cheating because, right. you know, you've cheated before and how else? Yep. For example's yep. sake, just throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Don't know anybody like that. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, he would, you know, accuse me when Mother Nature would come around. He he would think that I'd be cheating on all these men with him. And I'm just like, listen, I mean, I'm flattered. What lifestyle do you think I live? <laughs> you know? And I was also, I was a barber for seven and a half years. So my job at that time, you know, I was, I was cutting 25 to 30 haircuts a day men. And so he didn't like that either. And I was also, this is so bad. I was also buying pills from my clients. Tell me how a conversation sparks to where you like eventually get to where you start buying pills from your client that you didn't know before they were clients. I think that when we're in it, it's very easy for us to manipulate a situation to where we can get somebody to talk about, especially when, you know, and that's an intimate thing, cutting someone's hair. Like, I feel like, you know, I've been going to barbers and not hairdressers for as long as I can remember. And, you know, you definitely, and whether it's a woman or a man that's cutting my hair as the barber, because my barber down the street is a woman. And she does an awesome job of my beard and everything. And um, but yet you open up more to your barber. I mean, there's there's movies on it. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's three yeah. or four movies about barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I think that was the fourth one. Did I forget? But yet, like the, you open up more. So I can totally see how that kind of conversation goes down that way because where it's so especially if you do hair out of your house and not out of a shop then you can like really get them to open up because there's not like another barber in the room that's like listening to your conversation if that makes sense yeah makes a lot of sense absolutely you know and essentially it it would be like they would open up one avenue of their life like i just had surgery last week oh nothing else that you say is gonna even get in register no yeah that's all i hear (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so then that would maybe not at that first time that they had said it, would I say anything? But that would then, you know, spark. It's bookmarked, yeah. it's bookmarked for me to come back to and do a callback to. Yep. Like all of a sudden you're going to be like, 
oh, oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, you okay, honey? Oh, yeah, it's just my back. I did this yeah, the other day. Yep, that's exactly what happened. I was like, oh, and he's like, well, and he brought it up. He's like, you know, next time if you want me to just pay you in that, I'm like, done. And, I mean, essentially, he, this person specifically was an older gentleman, and so they're my, they were my favorite because they didn't yes. know how much somebody would pay for one. Right. Yeah, and and they're just you're just, you know, the cute girl that's in a little pain and they can feel good to help out and just like, oh, I got you, sweetie. You know, yeah. I don't need all these here. Yeah. You, you know, you're in pain. I got you. You're a nice girl. Yeah. And he had 10 milligram perks like and he which is a huge step up from Norco. Yeah. Which honestly, I didn't really like. I like Percocet, but I preferred Norco. OK, it's weird. Contrary. Well, Harley. <laughs> everybody's everybody's different you know and that's the whole thing is everyone has different addictions everyone has different things you know it's it's not what we use it's how we use it it's why we use it it's not how much we use you know that's why you know there's plenty of people that can out drink me and i consider myself an alcoholic and them not alcoholics that's true that's you know like i could party with like family you know and my brother who's not even close to an alcoholic or my sister my brother-in-law a lot of most of my family, they could out drink me under the table, <laughs> yeah. but it was, you know, they're partiers and yeah. they're drinking for the effects of having a fun time and partying. Right. And I was drinking to numb and forget, you yeah. know, so yep. that's why it's important that I am clear with people like, oh, no, you're not an alcoholic just because I call myself an alcoholic. Yep. And you've seen yourself out drink me 99% of the time. It doesn't mean that you're a bigger alcoholic than me. Right. It's right. why I was drinking. It's also what you didn't see. You didn't see the pills that yeah. I was snorting in a bathroom while I was drinking. I would only, yep. I think in the last 10 years of my addiction, like for most of my pill addiction, which was 10 of my 20 years of pure, you know, addiction year active using years between drinking and using i would say i only drank for appearances really like by the time i turned 22 alcohol wasn't working for me anymore and i discovered pills and it was like 2008 and that lasted for nine and a half years and the only time okay there was a year span in 2015 after my fiance died where i drank heavily for six months for like six to nine months six seven days a week at the bar Besides that little span, I was only really drinking to keep up with appearances, like uh, be at a, be at like a Fourth of July cookout or a family yeah. party, and yeah. if I was on pills, which I usually was, to mask that, I would get drunk, so yeah. they would just see me stumble. I'm like, ah, oh, he's just drunk, mm-hmm. and really, mm-hmm. I'm just nursing like three twisted teas throughout <laughs> the night. <laughs> And I just look more intoxicated because, yeah, yeah Twisted Tees. I couldn't do anything else, like, you know. I love that. Even when I relapsed with drinking, because I had a relapse with alcohol that lasted nine months. And it wasn't, like, a gnarly relapse. Like, I was still working the steps every day because I'm delusional. And um, <laughs> I when I relapsed, I bought a six-pack of Twisted Tea, you know. I'm like, oh, my God, that I'm so tea. not a manly man as, like – as I'm drinking the half and half twisted tea, oh, that's funny. you know, just was alcohol really a part of your story at all? I don't really hear much of it. No. And that's, what's super weird. Well, I guess I should just run with it, but, um, I've never knock on wood, had a problem with alcohol. Um, I I've grown up, you know, 
with the lifestyle where my mom didn't really ever drink except for, you know, an occasional gin and tonic. And to be honest, it doesn't really settle well with me. I am very miserable when I'm sick and I'm just a little whiny bitch. And so being hungover is just not. So discovering pills is what really, like, was your, like, it arrival. It was, like, my whole, yeah, it was great, you know. And how old, you never said how old you were when you first got prescribed them. Um, the first time I'd gotten prescribed them, I was 21. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, this is what's weird though. When I first got prescribed them, I was in a healthy relationship and me and that, that guy I was in a relationship, but we would just share the script. We wouldn't run out for the entire month, you know, but it would sit in my drawer and, you know, I would take three or four before bed. So I've always been that all or nothing. And in my head, before I take something, I can't take what's prescribed because I'm worried that I'm not going to feel it. Yeah. Which is like, so <laughs> like the FOMO is such a thing, like fear of missing out, yeah. you know? So it's like, let me overindulge so that I can make sure that I'm not missing. This out. episode is sponsored by MJ's progress, not perfection meeting center association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. If you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. That makes sense. So, so what happened with that relationship to where, you know, you guys were sharing a script and, you and know. Then, and yeah, and he wasn't really, he was uh, opportunistic with it. He could take him or leave him. Um and so I just stopped getting prescribed it and nothing came of that. Um, and then I ended up breaking up with him like six months later for just another reason. But um, yeah, and then this, this my last relationship was the first time that I really used with anybody ever um, and had that codependency and stuff like that. Because you had said that guy was already an alcoholic, you know, but that had already quit drinking, but previously was a... Yeah. Alcoholic from his first marriage before you guys met. Yep. And JD, like, I can't even explain how stupid he is. Like, I, I know that sounds really funny, but like, I just have to like lower my expectations and just tell myself that he will never understand because I get burned out from getting upset about it. Because it's like the number one thing that we fought about (laughs) besides pills was the fact that I only loved him because to get high, I wanted money to get high. But when I said I was going to go to rehab, he didn't want me to go because he was worried I was going to find somebody in there better than him. Oh. Yep. Yep. And then didn't want me to go because he was going to be sad. He and I was selfish for leaving him. And then when I was in rehab, anytime he'd hear somebody um, on the phone in the background, he'd make a shitty comment. He always swore to me that he wasn't using. He promised I could never do that to somebody I loved in rehab. But he was high. Duh. I mean, 
I'm not stupid. I mean, but, you know, I, I asked him, I said, what is the number one thing we fight about? How you always loved more or pills more than me. Yep. And who's sober? You. Click. You know, he'd send me text messages. On January 28th, I'm going to rehab. What? Nobody just plans when they're going to go to rehab. Hey, in three weeks, can I check in at 4 p.m.? I know. And that, and, but, and, well, there are some rehabs that are so booked out. They're like, we have a bed ready right. Well, right. on this day. But and still, I like, that. but that's different because whenever that is the case, the person literally comes back with saying, the rehab has a bed ready, blah, blah, blah date, not I'm going on this date. There's a difference right. between a rehab has a bed, that, those sentences. Yep. Um, it's almost like, it's almost to me validation that you called right. when you say and, it a certain yep. way. Um, yeah, he, he was 10 years older than me and he is also ask. using, okay. sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, you're um, not. He keeps using the, you know, the whole, well, I'm, I'm, you know, 38 years old. There's no point in me getting better because I'm already old. Excuse. Um, you know, and then the whole, well, I told my family, like, I, I don't care. Like, I'm not. I, so, you know. so you went to rehab when yep. you went when you went to rehab. Um, that was a choice that you made where you were just like, I'm tired of using pills every day. And so yeah, so like every like morning, I want to hear what was your date again? June what? June fourteenth. Okay, so, so what was happening June thirteenth with Carly? Yep. So June thirteenth, a month prior to that, every day I was waking up and like wanted to say something to my mom, but I just couldn't get myself to. Were you living with your mom? Yep. So I was I had was living in my own apartment by myself, first time living on my own. Um, ended up moving home just because I was always staying with my ex and. My apartment was just vacant, no sense in paying rent. Um, and so I was living at home and yeah, I, my parents had no idea. I hit it so well and they, ne- they thought I wasn't even with my ex. Like I was lying about that. So they thought I was constantly hanging out with friends, which I don't know why they believe that. <laughs> but um, so yeah, the, the last month of my addiction, every morning I would wake up and it's like, I'm sick of living this lifestyle. Right. And I think Finally, like, the, so the 13th, it was a Sunday. And I told my mom that morning. And the reason I decided, I think, to do it was because I had just bought one of my connections entire script. So I knew I would be good for a couple of days if I couldn't get in anywhere that I could, like, dose it out to where I'd be comfortable. Um, you know, so I, it's weird because I had put some thought behind it for a few days, you know, it had been weighing on my mind and I, I didn't plan any of this. I was just going home from his house that morning to go about my day. And I was just laying there and I was like, you know what? I just got to tell her. So I told her she was kind of in denial. I think at first she's like, well, because here's the kicker, JD, she, my mom, she has MS. And so occasionally she would have me get her something for pain. And then she would also get me something for pain. I hid my script from her. She didn't know I was on it again. She knew I was on it the first time. She would have freaked out. You know, so she, and now she tells me she kind of had an idea, but I think she was in denial, right? Yeah, MS is, I mean, my wife has it. It's 
Yeah. Right. And she, my mom gets, you know, prescribed medication, but it's not anything near Norco, you know? Yeah. Neither does she. I think my yeah. wife uses, my wife uses cannabis now as her yeah. main, like besides like the tech <clears throat> era, like the main, like whatever MS, whatever yeah. meds, like for yeah. pain and stuff. She mostly uses cannabis because yeah. she's in recovery too. My wife. Yeah. Aww. So, you know, that's, you know, she doesn't want to have to, she doesn't like opiates to begin with. She never Absolutely. did. She she's an alcoholic in recovery. So, um, and for and plus she doesn't want the temptation around me either. But right, right. you know, cannabis I can't smoke it anyway. It hurts. I have like ongoing costochondria. I just wears like cartilage in my ribs. That's like rubs yeah. up against. So if I cough really hard, it like is like somebody's punching me in the ribs. Wow. So yeah. I don't smoke anymore i just use like capsules and edibles and stuff like that it's been part of my recovery since day one um so oh okay cool we'll get into that so yeah um now you so well so i tell your mom yep so i think too that acceptance of her getting them for me every once in a while was kind of like another layer to it right so yeah i tell my mom and she's very you know understanding this is a sunday i immediately um my cousin who's still using came over to help me ended up stealing some of my pills whatever um right but uh looking back they, now, they always steal so from us at the over. end yeah, yeah they always steal from us at the end I remember um one of my good friends was supposed to be bringing me pills to my hotel um my airport hotel room before I was leaving for um you know rehab the next morning and I Western Union him money so he could go to our dealer and bring me the pills. And all of a sudden his phone turned off and like his iMessage went green. Like he blocked me because he knew I was going to rehab the next day and he could just pocket my money and then oh, not have to deal with it kind of so thing. so smart, but so shitty. I know. I mean, yeah, you can play, right? Hey, it, you know, somebody that I felt like I helped out and went above and beyond to help out over and over in addiction that I'd yeah. known since we were kids and no, it is what it, it, you know, it's one of those things. And then you get sober and then you see how everybody else lives. And, and it's so true that like, it's crazy how much addiction controls you for somebody that was that important in your life to do that to you. Oh, and I said, I texted weird. him months later. I'm like, Hey man, you know, if you want to pay it back, you want to pay it back. If you want to hold on to it and keep that karma, that's fine too. You know, yeah. however you want to live your life is how you want to live your life, but I'm good. And I was like in a Facebook message, you know what I mean? From like a different page because he had blocked me on social media. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. You know, I mean, I think the tough thing too is like, well, I'll touch on that here in a second, but I keep so yeah, your cousin so came. Like, yeah. I bounce all over it. If you're good. She, uh, okay, yeah, so she your cousin over. comes over, she helps you out for a bit. I mean, she didn't some... really do anything. She didn't help me, okay? She well, just she helped you her. by taking some pills off your hands. Yeah! <laughs> and, like, this was, this was, like, while I was upstairs talking to my therapist. She's downstairs and pinched whatever. Rum- rummaging. Yeah. So um, then I get a hold of my therapist. Thankfully, I had his, like, personal work number. And he helps me and my mom um, get a hold of, like, the state, whoever you have to contact, um, the behavioral mental health. And um, they helped me. They called around some places. But because it was a Sunday, it was extremely hard to, like, get in. Yeah. A lot of places, it was weird. They didn't have, like, an intake on that day, which 
I was super confused because I'm like, I mean, can they just yeah, not go to rehab on Sunday? Like, I know. So, is this God's day? I don't have to go to rehab. I can just stay getting high. I don't get it. Yeah. Right. You know, but it was, to me, it was okay because I had already, you know, prepared for that and I had enough to get me by. Yeah. And the best thing I could have ever done for myself was buy a methadone. <laughs> that was the best thing I could have ever done because detox it was it was shitty but i do feel like that did help start the process ease in to the detox rather than just a cold because were you were you going through withdrawals at all during this time Mm -hmm. or were you able to pretty much stay high the entire time i was able to stay high until i went to rehab um i remember taking eight (laughs) eight of them right before i walked in yeah, that, I mean, that's like I mean, part yeah. of it, of course. That's like a lot of people. I feel like you're either walking into rehab just like on your deathbed already, just like going through it, or the total opposite where you're just like on a cloud because you're still ripped as hell when you're walking in the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where did you go to rehab? Did you say in Michigan? Yep, I uh, went to Turning Point in Grand Rapids. Okay, so <clears throat> you get to rehab and you're going for yourself, which is a big difference when you're going for you. Absolutely. I'm sure there's still some nerves because you don't know what to expect. Um, but did you get in, introduced to meetings or anything or? Yeah. So like when how I was, was it for you? It was good. If I'm being honest, um, they, the staff was kind of shitty and stuff, but I mean, it's rehab, right? You have, you, you have that fine line of people that want to get help and then people that are just wanting a, a meal in a place to eat and they know the words to say to get people to move and that's fine I get it but that really opened my eyes because there was there was you know a select few that wanted help and the meetings were useful and constructive and really great and then other times that were kind of you know duddy and somebody would make a comment that's not even like you know whatever but no, I know was, I know yeah yeah it's, it was, it was really also good. angst of Early sobriety, early recovery angst, I feel like, where there's a lot of people that they're just like, you know, I was like an angsty teenager in my first couple of weeks of being sober, you know, where like anything set me off. And I even like the stupidest shit, like the dishes not being done. I remember that being like the biggest, that was like the biggest problem of the day is if the dishes weren't done or somebody (laughs) didn't do their chores in the house. Yeah, and now looking back, it's like the most ridiculous shit to get upset right. about. Right. Um. Now, well, so then at that point, though, I was, I wasn't taking the Adderall anymore because during that Adderall phase, I lost over a hundred pounds just from just not eating, and like I got off of that because it was just making me feel shitty. I think I was like going anemic and like just dying. Um, yeah. my hair was not healthy. I was just not. I thought I was hot shit. Like, you know, I was just making rash decisions. But um, so I was still on the clonopin when I went to rehab. Um, but I had to choose which substance I wanted to detox from. That makes sense. And with the opioids, I had a five-day detox and could get Suboxone after 72 hours. With the opi or with the benzo withdrawal, I would have just gotten Ativan to like wean down. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, you know, that was at the rehab didn't think I would have any seizures or anything. I mean, I was prescribed 90.5 clonopin a month 
And I wouldn't take them really throughout the day. I would just take like eight of them at night. <laughs> that makes, I mean, I've seen that too, where, you know, people go through them mostly at a certain time of the day. I mean, yeah. even like the mommy wine culture is you drink after five and that kind of shit. So, oh, or it's... like, I like I would love when I would come home from work and not have anything to do and I could just get high, like just get high. Um, yeah. But no, and so I'm really proud of myself that like, I'm completely off of Klonopin, completely. I didn't have to really go through, like, the wean stage. Because mm-hmm. um, that hurt is miserable. Um, I am, though, relying on Suboxone. Um, I'm taking just, like, a. I was taking three a day, and now I'm down to, like, a quarter. And I, to be You're weaning yourself down, it sounds like. Well, and I'm, I'm um, physically, no, I'm mentally off of it. But I'm physically not. And it sucks because there have been days where, like, I've forgotten to take it. And I'm like, why do I feel so sketchy right now? Like, I'm thinking sketchy thoughts in my head. <laughs> like, And then I'm like, and these hot flashes. And it's like, yep. Um, so I'm going to get off of that soon. Um, but I am now in a, a really healthy relationship. Um, Has anyone ever thought about Vivitrol? Replacing the Suboxone with Vivitrol? Like it for cravings? Well, so now they have a, a sublocade shot mm-hmm. that does essentially what the Vivitrol would, but it's for Suboxone. Um, and I was thinking about doing that along with maybe the Vivitrol instead. I, I, you know. No, I don't know much about sublocade. Is that like, so Vivitrol, the, the beautiful thing is I know a lot of people that have used it and they can stop taking it and it there's not no effects. Yeah. Like, that's, like, the thing is, you can decide at any point, like, okay, well, I, I, I feel good to stop now. I'm not going to get my shot this month. Yeah. And then there, there's no, like, withdrawal effects. Um, now, Suboxone, we know you can't do that. But <laughs> Sublocate, is that more like Vivitrol, where you can stop on a dime? Or yeah. no? Okay. Well, so I don't know 100%, but the way my doctor made it sound, because that was a concern of mine. I was like, you know, when I don't want to get it anymore is that going to be a problem and he said absolutely not he said you know the first shot that most people get they'll want to get another one after 30 days and then normally after the 30 days they'll wait another two months three months get another one and yeah if you just you know the way he made it seem was the more and more you got it it was fewer you know more time that had had passed before you'd gotten the next one Um, So, yeah, I I think, too, like, because it's kind of like an extended release thing, right? Like, I think it just just dissipates out of your body. And I know there's no he didn't mention anything like that. So this new relationship, how did you guys meet? So we went to high school together. Um, He was like three grades below me. Um, And he just like slid into my DMs one day, I guess. (laughs) So, um, I had just gotten out of rehab and I just focusing on myself and he messaged me and he was kind of pushy at first and I don't know, I got a little overwhelmed, but it's been really good. Um, he got out of a toxic relationship as well in the sense of like, they were both just kind of verbally toxic to one another. He's never had an addiction. Um, he knows of my addiction. And he is very understanding. 
um, also understands that he'll never fully get it <laughs> and like yeah. wants to go. It's so it like breaks my heart because he like wants to go to meetings with me and like but he's like, if, if you don't want me to, that's fine. But I like I want you to know that I'm here for you and that I won't open my mouth. <laughs> well, there's open meetings, so I don't know about you yeah, know. Yeah, but I, sometimes shit. No, yeah, it's not. I I don't you know. It's funny because I run a meeting center, right? Like that's what my wife and I do. We, you know, we have a nonprofit mental health meeting center, and there's so many times where we don't go to the same meetings together. So like, there's a lot of the times where we don't go to the same meetings together, where it's like, uh, not for any reason, not not because we talk shit on each other. I mean, we communicate everything to each other anyway. You know, yeah. you know, we're both in recovery. And we find it's important to communicate as much as possible. Um, but it's just also easier to like, I feel like for other people Absolutely. in the room, you know, to feel like they can talk without both partners, you know, Absolutely. being in the room, you know. So whether we're doing a meeting for trauma, you know, yep. we do specific meetings for trauma or the LGBTQ or, you know, whether it's for people who have chronic illness like she does or, you know, yeah, AA or NA stuff is more my avenue because, you know, I do, are you a step are you a step person? Do you work the steps? To be you're honest, still, you're still no, new into it. I am. I know of the steps, absolutely, and it, it's in the back of my head, but I, I wouldn't say I'm, no. What kind of meetings do you go to? You don't have to say the, like, the, is it? Yeah, like... so, so I try to go to NA meetings, um, but I am in therapy a lot. That's the most important. Um, I should be going to groups more. Um, I definitely think I need to fill that area in my life of, of being around some people that can relate you know, and that can also confirm that some of the things I'm feeling are, you know, normal, like using dreams. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you, using dreams are what our nightmares become. You know, a nightmare is your self-conscious telling you something, right? So, you know, just because it's not like fire in hell doesn't mean it's not a nightmare. Yeah. So people get confused to what a nightmare is. You know, people think of like the falling off the cliff and then you wake up and that's a nightmare. Yeah, it is. But, you know, there's also the nightmares, you know, our subconscious does that when they show us something that we don't want to see, which yeah. is usually, you know, getting drunk or getting high again. Um, so it's just a nightmare. That's the way I, I justify getting them because it still happens. You know, it's been three, four years away from, you know, having an opiate addiction. And it's been almost two years since I've drank and still like it, they pop up and it can be scary, but so can that dream where you're falling off a fucking cliff. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's the craziest thing in the entire world because it's like as frustrated I get with, with my boyfriend, it's it's never to the level of frustration that I got with my ex. As frustrated as I get, I, I could see myself being with him forever. I could because it's like he has such an emotional side to him that's very rare. And, you know, but he's also young. And he, I don't want to say he's naive, but he kind of is. And he sees a lot of good in people. And, you know, that's only, that's a good quality, right, until it's bad. And... So with me, this is very interesting because sometimes I have a hard time 
when I get frustrated in a situation with him, I have to ask myself, is it because I'm genuinely frustrated or is it because I'm in recovery and I'm relearning everything about myself as well? That's what it is. I'll tell you that right now. Absolutely. Because I think back to past healthy relationships where we would do all the things that are making me stimulation overload and it would be fine. It would be fine. I wouldn't think anything would be weird or he's being too much. Well, that's what, that's why the steps are so important. Um, because the steps, if you read them, the, you know, alcohol or drugs, that those words are only used in the first step one time. The steps aren't to help you to, you know, they're, they're designed for living your life. Yeah. So, you know, it's how to deal with things without using drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they're not for everybody. Sometimes the steps don't work for everybody, and that's fine. Like, for example, my wife does shadow work. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no idea, you know, but I do know what it is. It's pretty much like the steps, but it's more like a witchy version of. Mm-hmm. And, hey, I'm, whatever helps you take a look at yourself, I'm all for whether yep. it's therapy, whether you have a peer counselor, whether you have a sponsor, whether it's some of you consider a mentor in recovery, yeah. have somebody that you feel comfortable opening up to have two people you feel comfortable, yeah. have four, you know, have five, really have tried to have five because they always say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So yeah. if 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 you spend a lot of time with people in recovery and all these people have great recovery and they're doing all these positive things for their sobriety, it's all going to rub off on you. Yeah. That kind of energy is going to rub off on you. And that kind of attitude that you take with you Mm -hmm. is going to work. Um, especially if it's other women in recovery that are all in relationships. Also, you, you, you learn from each other. That's, you know, we, in addiction, we didn't just start doing drugs and then just go down the, the rabbit hole. We learn <laughs> from each other how to get Absolutely. high. Absolutely. <laughs> so why should this be any different where we don't learn how to stay sober from each other? Oh, that's so good. I love that. That's so, it's so true though. I mean, I, I do. I think that that's why it would be extremely important to start incorporating that a little bit more in my life because it will start to fill that that area up and it will alleviate a lot of frustrations because I, I do think sometimes subconsciously I I take my frustrations out on him and he's not doing anything wrong. You know, I mean, essentially, yes. Is he overbearing? Yes. But his intentions are good, you know? And so and for those partners also, Elnon and Narnon are great outlets. Yep. Um, and Alanon, you can even do Zoom meetings. Just look mm-hmm. it up. Um, and you'll be able to be with other people that have loved ones that are either still in active addiction or they're in recovery too. Yeah. Um, I also recommend Alanon and Narnon for you as you get long-term sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, the further you get into recovery and the more time you find yourself helping out people in recovery. Um, Because I find the more sober we get and there's like the two roads, you either take the road, you know, where you pretend like your addiction ever happened. You don't Mm -hmm. tell anybody you were ever an addict and you kind of just move on with your life and pretend like it never happened. Never even touch a drug ever again. Yep. Um, But for me, I like to help people and I like to have people reach out and help people along the way, even early in their recovery. But you can get hurt by them a lot, too. 
So because they are still an addict, that's an addiction. And that's what Al-Anon and Naranon are for. So it's it's important the more long-term sobriety and recovery that you get, that you find outlets to where you can vent about that kind of stuff Absolutely. in an out meeting. Absolutely. And then, you know, I find, too, I won't be spending a lot of my time trying to explain things to him, like, that, because I don't need to explain everything to him, you know? And it just, it's so bittersweet and just breaks my heart in a good way that he, you know, genuinely wants what's best for me and like he it's so crazy because he'll get this idea of something to do that he knows that like I'll like and it's not just something he says and then doesn't act on it you know he'll he'll follow through and it's just really refreshing and um I think because I'm a couple of years older than him Ah, this is going to sound so terrible. I already know what it is. I kind of think I know what it is because I'm three years younger than my wife. (sighs) Yeah. Um, but go ahead. (laughs) I just, I just got a new job. I can cut it out if you want me to. No, I mean, I just, yeah, you should just cut it out. But I just feel like he thinks I'm a badass. You know, I think he thinks it's really inspiring that I'm this addict. I don't want to cut that out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're a bad, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, he thinks, that, I think he thinks that I'm, you know, kind of a badass because he sees this 28-year-old, you know, independent woman that did a complete 180. I'm now in hospitality working for a high-end hotel and my brain is like a Neapolitan sandwich right now. I can like feel it healing. There's still like the fogginess and then there's Mm -hmm. the what the fuck side, you know? And it's like, it's all fighting with one another. And so it's like, I just get so excited that I can use my brain and it's like coming back and I don't have to have that constant. Wait till you get to nine months too. That fog really starts to like lift around nine. Yeah. And so I have a hard time not trying, like I, Obviously, my intentions are not to come off like I'm better than anybody, but I, I think I'm just loving life genuinely. Yeah. Um, and you're still on a pink cloud, which is good. Right. Yeah. And now, I is just... there now is there a is there like something in the what the fuck side to where you're kind of worried about it creeping over to kind of like is there something to where like you're putting off dealing with. You're putting off making amends for, you're putting off like that you don't want to even have to, like, for me, there was, there's a lot of grieving in my past. Like, grieving was a huge trigger for me, a lot of grief. And there was a lot of grief that I wanted to, like, put off for a later date, like, early in my recovery, where, like, I will deal with that later. I'm not ready to deal with that yet. I will come back to you later. And every time I creep up, like, no, 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 back to the line. I will get to you later. Let's work on something else. Is there yeah. something that like you're not not I won't say dreading, but you're kind of like procrastinating. Not wanting but... to hit head on. Yeah. So along with that, yes, to your answer or to answer your question is yes. Um, but it's even further than that. I, I don't realize how much this situation has affected me. Um, I can't believe I didn't mention this, but two years ago I got bit by a dog um, and I had to get 32 stitches in my lip. Um, like the dog mold my face, another reason to get a, a pills, right? I've also had an ovary removed, fallopian tube, right? Yeah. So lots of surgical procedures, but I don't understand physically how traumatizing that dog bite was to the point of I've had panic attacks 
without knowing I'm going to have one or even knowing why I've had. So what happened that day that all of a sudden, like a dog bit you in like, what was going on? Did you know the dog? Is it your dog? Like, can you tell me what happened? Yeah. So it was Memorial weekend two years ago. I was with my stepsister at her sister-in-law's house. Is this COVID Memorial Day weekend or 2019 Um, Memorial Day weekend? 2019. So about three years, almost three years. Yep. Okay. So um memorial day we were all hanging out drinking a little bit like nothing too crazy and at this point um i mean i was drunk but i wasn't like wasted and the dog chewy um they knew that he kind of nipped here and there and they've had a muzzle for him in the past but he was doing fine and i just went to pet him i was like kind of knelt down all i remember is looking over saying something to my aunt or my sister coming back to pet the dog and he just lunged at my face and kicked me back like four feet and then like I'm really lucky that I didn't lose like my top lip um I'll have to I'll I'll have to send you some pictures after this but um of it but it is it's insane and it a small dog it was um Australian Shepherd an Australian Shepherd and I didn't know the process of this. So they had to drive me to the ER because it was such a small town that ambulance would have taken longer. They had me back in a bed before my insurance card was even out. And then the cops showed up and it, the bite was so bad that they, the owners didn't have a choice but to put the dog down. Um, and they had to quarantine it, the cops, for a week to make sure it didn't have rabies prior. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it's terrible on both ends. You know, you have this family that just lost a dog, but then also they understand that they can't have a dog running the house. Like it could have been a child that was running around. Yeah, I mean, if you're if the dog was muzzled before that, then it was obviously something that could have happened, and they were worried about it happening. So yeah. it's unfortunate, but it does happen. That's the reality of it. You know, if it was a person that did that to you, we would want that person punished. Yep. It's the yep. same kind of deal, unfortunately, and it is what it is. Um, so yeah. that's that's 32 stitches. Wow. Yeah. That's, and then yeah, I had yeah. to. I was camp counseling at that time, so then I had to go to camp a week later. But I ended up leaving there because I got too worried about not being to meet up with my dealers. <laughs> so. Yeah, that'll happen. So, and then that is that what kicked off your this long binge of two years of painkillers, and then next thing you know, it it was eleven, ten, eleven months later, and COVID hit, and then everyone's like, "Here's money to stay home." Yep. And then oh, when and then you're home, and then you can still make cash as a barber. So you were collecting unemployment. But yeah. still being able to work cash jobs and just going over, yeah, I'll cut your hair for a script. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep, that's exactly it, you know. And I mean, essentially, I, I will tell you though, I was so scared when this all started with COVID. I thought they were going to close pharmacies down. I, I thought like we were going to run out of pills. I wasn't worried about getting you know and that's that's really sad to say you know and it's just it's i appreciate your honesty yeah i I appreciate you know i'm not honest the minute that's like the minute i'm not honest with myself or just in general then that's going to be concerning to me just because i almost feel like the minute i try and cover anything up about my addiction it becomes an issue but at the same time i also don't word vomit it to other people as well yeah 
It makes sense. I word vomit only because I word vomit on the yeah. internet. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm, no, but I do like, this. <laughs> I guess what I mean is I don't not tell people, but it's like I, you know, I don't really like want to talk to my boss about it a lot. Um, no, it's not your opening line. Hey, I'm curly yeah. and I'm an addict. Yeah, it's yeah. not like your opener. Yeah, but the cool thing is, is my job. I had just started there prior to going to rehab. I'd been there for a week. And then I went to rehab and they were so understanding. Let me come back. Like That is awesome. Yeah. Haven't treated me any differently. Like it's amazing. They um, must have had somebody, you know, you you can't be the first one then. Right. Absolutely. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> like, like that <laughs> that tells me experience and yeah, you know that right. they've definitely seen this before. Yep. So but well, and speaking of experience, um, my uncle on my dad's side. He has a a kid, Mark, who's been addicted to heroin for 10 years now, um, and he's been clean the longest at this point. Um, but it's really cool to see my uncle, you know, grow up with pretty much no mental health and then take it upon himself to go to Al-Anon meetings and, like, really try to understand. And he's somebody that can get through to my dad. And nobody else really can. Mm-hmm. And so because my uncle is going through that, like this is Then your really, dad can relate. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yep. And then so your I dad will say, feel Yep. I will say I'm super, super thankful for the support system I have and that I can come home to a family that there are no drugs or alcohol around. I'm just, yeah, I'm very nothing fortunate. Nothing to like, yeah, nothing like. That would make you want that. Nothing to like right. tease you or anything yeah. like that, or yeah, or put you on edge. So that's trigger. Yeah, because yeah. triggers are so weird and so funny. You know, I say funny because everyone can have the most ridiculous trigger of something dumb. You know, like even like I know people that have a trigger of hearing cans open. Yeah. You know, but it's such a common occurrence of cans opening that it's like you go to a barbecue and you're getting triggered. Well, when I was in rehab, I remember we were in the middle of a class or a meeting like in rehab. Mm -hmm. There was a kid that had dice, like rolling dice, and he was keeping them in a pill bottle in rehab. So I'm like these white dice in a pill bottle look like like it triggered like i somebody was yeah. talking there was a lot going on but i heard that jingle <laughs> yep, like, especially early on the triggers yeah. are even like i remember being triggered um because um in rehab my blood pressure medicine they they got me because i'd never been on blood pressure medicine and they, i had to get on it then and it was made by the same company that made 30s like one of the brand of roxycodone 30s yeah. so it yeah. had like the exact same v on it because it, oh. it was the same company that made the 30s that had the V cuts. And I said to the nurse, like, I'm so uncomfortable taking this. And she's like, why? And she's like, this little, like, Asian lady. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because it reminds me of her 30s, like Roxy's, because it has the same V yeah. made by the same manufacturer. She's like, oh, just don't look and just swallow. I'm like, that's what she said. But, you know, uh, <laughs> let me just yeah. Yeah. Let me just do that real quick, Rhonda. Yeah, but that's that's what I ended up doing, though. That's what I just happened to just like take it and just not ever look at it because. Well, because it... if you think about it, J.D., it's so messed up when you go to rehab. I mean, you still have medicine to take. Right. And so there's still that hand to mouth addiction. Happening. And, yep. Eight, three, eight, like. 
and it's medicine too that could you could end up getting dependent upon whether it's suboxone or what or whether it's gabapentin or whether it's Seroquel or whether it's Trazodone. There's a lot of meds that they use in detox where now you're like, oh, shit, now I got to get off these meds. Right, absolutely, yep. Because getting off subs is harder than getting off dope a lot of the times. Absolutely. And, (laughs) like, getting off... the whatchamacallit, even the sleep meds, then you've, you know, it's, it fucks up everything. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I, I'm so, do you use, can, but you use cannabis in your recovery? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, that is one thing that, I mean, I've smoked my whole life pretty much. Yeah. You know? So, yep. yeah. I, it's uh, about the relationship with it, though. You know, as long as we're not using it to like escape as like yeah, escapism. Exactly. Yep. Then it's, it's okay, in my opinion. It's it's the reason. It's the intent that yep. you're using it. If you're if you're lighting a blunt, saying "fuck this day," I can't wait to smoke yep. this blunt. Yep. Maybe you don't smoke that blunt. Yep. Maybe figure do some meditation. Yeah. Maybe do some meditating and figure out why fuck this day. Yeah. And then once you come to the conclusion to unfuck your day, then maybe celebrate with a blunt and relax and unwind. Absolutely. But it's that's the difference. It's the intent. It's how you're using it. It's why you're using it. Absolutely. So, you know, thank you so much for sitting down. Yeah. I'm sorry we couldn't do it last week. It's okay. I, my schedule. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. like, I know things yeah. get crazy and you got a lot going on and yep. it's awesome what you and your wife are doing. So Thank you. Yeah, Amazing. it definitely keeps us busy. Yeah.